Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out the radio version of the show every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on WDJY 99.1 in Atlanta. We also air on a podcasting network in Los Angeles called the 405 Media. There's a TV version of the show that airs on KMVT 15 in Silicon Valley at 8 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday nights. Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. I want to invite all of you in the Building the Future community to join me at SUPEX, the Startup Expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this July 26th, where I'll be the MC. SUPEX is one of the largest and best startup conferences in the U.S. and the official gathering of the Building the Future community this summer. SUPEX has cutting-edge content, a cool startup competition, and a half-day forum this year called Hashtag Women for Women, the largest gathering in the U.S. in 2018 of angel groups, seed funds, and BC funds focused on female founders and female entrepreneurs. For more information, visit www.sup-x.org. I hope to see all my Building the Future friends there. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Matt Barnard. He's the founder at Podknife. Matt, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I I think kind of what you guys are are doing at Podknife is actually really kind of important in in the podcasting space. Um, Well, even just in kind of the media space, to be fair. But maybe before we get into all that fun stuff... Let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, in New York City, uh, in okay. Queens specifically, and have uh, lived in, in and around New York City for uh, most of my life. Okay. Very cool. So you, well, obviously, like, podcasting isn't necessarily your, your day job. So I, before we kind of get into that, I want to get to know... Um, kind of your your history a little bit more. Um, you went to university, correct? Yeah, that's right. So I, I went to uh, university up in uh, up in Boston. Like I okay. said, I'm from New York, but I, I was in Boston for for a few years uh, studying broadcast journalism. And that's, okay. uh, I'm, I'm, my plan there was uh, I'm, I'm a really big sports fan, and I was trying to marry a few different interests of mine. Uh, I was really really into writing. And uh, I've been uh, having people say things to me about my voice uh, my, my entire life. Um, that would be good for radio, that would be good for TV, that kind of stuff. So I was trying to uh, stay close to sports. Sure. Uh, with uh, understanding my athletic limitations, uh, trying to do something uh, in that world. Um, during the time uh, I was in school there, I uh, realized sort of the, the practical realities of, uh, of working in sports and you know, having moved to uh, uh, small markets all over the place in all likelihood. So, uh, I mean... Taking that through, and I found myself in uh, in a long term relationship with the woman who's now my wife, and r- realizing you know sort of the practical uh, realities of uh, pursuing a career there, uh, I made a choice to uh, do something that seemed a little more stable and moved back to New York. Uh, went to law school and okay. uh, got a degree, got a degree in, in law, and graduated into the uh, into the teeth of the uh, financial crisis in uh, in the summer of uh, 2008. Sure, so uh, I, I got a job. I, oh. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, just before we kind of get into that, what made you choose yeah. law? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits to uh, going to law school, whether you want to be, whether you're confident you want to be a lawyer or not, just in sure. terms of the way that you're taught to think. And I, I thought, you know, those would be skills that be, would be applicable in a lot of different uh, a lot of different paths I might choose to pursue afterwards, whether I was going to be a lawyer 
or not. It also uh, something that had always uh, been an interest of mine uh, from when I was younger as well. I mean, just you know, sort of the study of law and uh, the way the law is applied and has evolved over time. So I was interested on an academic level as well. So it also just seemed like a good way to get back to New York and get on a more concrete track. I mean, it seemed at that point maybe uh, pre-financial crisis uh, a little more so than and post that, uh, sure. that being a lawyer was a pretty stable way to uh, you know have a foundation to raise a family and you know start a life that sort of thing. Sure. So you, you mentioned you graduated kind of during the financial crisis. Walk us through kind of that journey. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's a tricky time to uh, to be looking for a job. I mean, sure. I, I actually got married at the at the uh, got married in the summer of uh, 2008 and uh, came back to New York. I was looking for work and, uh, you know, it was a tough sell at that moment. Sure. Uh, ended up getting a job uh, a few months later working in the Attorney General's office in New York and uh, was there for a couple of years before uh, transitioning to the job I've had more recently uh, for the last six years or so working in uh, corporate litigation and in, uh, in, in private practice. Okay. No, I, I think that's, that's really great. So I, I want to kind of transition into you founded Podknife. What exactly was made you kind of decide to, to found Podknife, and what exactly is it? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll take a take a little step back here. Sure. Uh, Podknife was actually the the, the second uh, project like this I, uh, I I've embarked on. Okay. Uh, when I was uh, working through my career as a lawyer, I, I feel like uh, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of reach a point where they look at all the cards on the table and and try to uh, talk themselves out of uh, pursuing something that they're really passionate about. See if they sure. can, you know, find a way to do it. And uh, I, I reached a point where where I, I couldn't I couldn't help myself uh, trying to build something for the uh, for the consumer internet. Having, you know, watched it develop as uh, as we have over the course of our lives, and you know, having ideas as to how you can improve things and you know, cool things that would be uh, that, that you could you, you could add to the uh, add to the marketplace. So so the first thing I I, uh, I pursued was about started about six years ago working with. Um, with an independent contractor on uh, something that was called a product called Text Market, which was a, a tool for publishing and distributing uh, text. The, the idea being that people are, are producing text in various forms all over the internet, whether it was in the form of articles or you know blog posts or social media. Sure. And it would be useful to have a place that you could pull all that text in from various places and then distribute it to people who were interested in it. Uh, distribute it and, and, and sell it, uh, as it uh, under certain circumstances um, to people who are interested in it to uh, you know encourage the creators of that content to keep making it and, and also to provide you know an easy way for people to get access to that content. So I uh, worked on that project for, uh, for, for several years with a developer, but I think you know, it being my, my first venture along these lines and uh, not fully appreciating the complexity of what it would what would be entailed in, in building it and, 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 you know, selling it to people and all that kind of stuff. We kind of ran out of steam after, after a few years. Uh, but I mean, I think it was really, really instructive for me in uh, sort of clarifying the way I would pursue a future project. And, and that's, that's where we get to, uh, we get the pod knife, which I started working on about two and a half years ago. Um, which is really born out of, out of my own uh, my own needs. I mean, I, I'm I'm a longtime podcast listener. I've been listening for a good dozen years, wow. and a longtime Android user as well. And uh, I mean, as as any Android uh, using podcast listener knows, I mean, the, the system really hasn't been built for uh, for Android users. Totally. Uh, for, I mean, from 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 early on. So I mean, I, I had a eureka moment, which kind of just uh, you know put. Uh, 
you know, put, put the spotlight on something I'd been feeling for a long time when I, when I realized that, uh, I not only couldn't uh, leave a review on, uh, on on iTunes, uh, which it was known as iTunes at, at the time, uh, for a podcast I was interested in, but I couldn't even really read reviews from my phone beyond the first three that that appear on the uh, the iTunes uh, you know web version of, uh, of any particular podcast page that they have. So sure. I realized that this is this, this is a problem that you know other people are going to be bumping up against as well. So I thought you know let me let me try to apply some of the lessons that I'd learned in terms of uh, you know, um, design and, uh, and, and, you know, sort of building product from, uh, from Texamark and, and apply those to, uh, to a, a new product that uh, has become Podmax. Sure. So I, I think, like, obviously there, there is and, and was a need when you started kind of pod, Podknife, but for people that maybe haven't heard of it, what exactly do you guys do at, at Podknife? Because I, I think it's, it's actually quite interesting. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the way the podcast information is, uh, is generally distributed to all sorts of, uh, players, I mean, or websites, you know, wherever you see information about podcasts on the internet is through, uh, these RSS feeds, which are, are fantastic in the sense that they have inspired a lot of development of podcast related products. I mean, you, know, you can start a website like Podknife or like any one of the other websites that are out there or other podcast, uh, players, player applications. Uh, where you know you can pull in information that's being pushed out by publishers all over the world, and that's fantastic. But uh, what's different about Podknife is that we're we're taking that information uh, that's coming in the RSS feeds, and we're we're augmenting it with uh, with information that we're finding elsewhere on the web that's publicly available to sort of flesh out um, the information that's that you can get about podcasts. I mean, for me, uh, part of the issue in uh, in dealing with, uh, with with iTunes over time, which of course was, was my primary uh, introduction to the world of podcasts, like like for so many people, was just uh, in, in finding the inconsistencies that um, that you know maybe had to do with, uh, with with categorization, where you know you'd have uh, podcasts that are categorized in a way in a particular way by a publisher, but there's no sort of oversight that is making sure that that lines up across the entire universe of podcasts. I mean, you might have someone like te- you know who's creating a new podcast. Who's tacking on, you know, an automotive tag or an or a TV and film tag when you know maybe their podcast only tangentially touches on these subjects and you know you have that happening across the entire universe of hundreds of thousands of podcasts and that ultimately really garbles up you know how how useful this uh, this tool that I mean iTunes is offering can be when you know you have all this noise that's uh, you know hasn't been really looked at by anyone and, and filtered in a, uh, and curated in, in a thoughtful way. Sure. So what we've done with Podknife is, is from the outset, sort of taken a more top-down approach, added a bunch of additional detail that we can find elsewhere on the web, like, you know, who hosts the podcast, you know, what's their Twitter handle, um, you know, where is the podcast produced, you know, more specifically, what does this podcast cover, uh, you know, beyond those traditional categories they're used to seeing. And uh, you know, it ultimately, that adds up to providing a level of detail and accessibility of uh, podcast information that really goes beyond what you can find elsewhere. Sure. No, and I, I think um, for for people that maybe don't know, iTunes did didn't really make any changes to their pl- podcasting platform for for years, probably even maybe closer to to five plus years, at least in my opinion. Um, so I, I think like what you guys are doing at Podknife was, was kind of much needed, right? Because 
you're right. Like, if you didn't use an iPhone, even on an iPhone, I, I think that it was still kind of a, a not that great of experience. I think it's gotten better in the last couple of years. They seem to care more about it. I, I think partly because podcasting has kind of become more mainstream, and I, I think a lot more kind of well-known people have decided to do a show and I think it's great like you know I'm sure whether you listen to their podcast or not but like Joe Rogan and um, you know Adam Carolla and Mark Marin, like these guys make a really good living off of being kind of the top podcasters on on the planet they obviously do other stuff as well but you know I I think and there's tons of celebrities now doing it and and other kind of well-known people doing podcasts which I think is great. And those shows are easy to kind of find if you just Google it. But some of the kind of shows just done by regular people that maybe you haven't heard of, there's a lot of really, really good shows, um, you know, and it, it can be hard going through, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of podcasts in, in a category, right? Where what you guys have done is you guys are kind of self-selected and building a network based on, like like you said a few minutes ago, um, with more content so it's more relevant to what I'm actually searching for and categorization and location and tagging and that kind of thing. Is is that kind of a fair or like overview kind of statement of, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, I think, like you said, I mean, there are certain podcasters, I mean, people who come in with a massive advantage, right? I mean, if sure. you have you know, a huge, a huge Twitter following and you're able to, you know, let people know about your podcast, you know, through that, or you have, you know, uh, some, you know, sort of uh, t TV access or, I mean, you're, you're a musician or something like that. I mean, you have, you know, ways to get your message out there really easily. And you see some of these podcasts that are produced by people who are well-known, you know, rocket to the top of the, the, the charts, right? I mean, you see people who, you know, are, are able to find instant success and that's great, but I mean, I, I feel like that's it's a, it ultimately is a really small fraction of the podcast world that is like that. I mean, and you know, a big part of the beauty of podcasting, from my perspective, is just how easy it is to do it if you're not someone like that. I mean, in terms of just getting something recorded and getting it online. I mean, the, the I mean, the, what's required to uh, to produce a podcast is so simple, right? I mean, you need a computer with a microphone, you need an internet connection, yep. and, and something to say, right? And, and really, what it is that you have to say is almost incidental, right? I mean, the, the point is, you know, maybe you're going to find an audience saying what you want to say and talking about what you want to talk about, and the door is really open for anybody. So, I mean, part of what's animated me in uh, putting Podnet together is, you know, really keeping an eye out for these independent podcasts, um, you know, bringing them in and displaying them, you know, right alongside podcasts that are being produced by some of the largest entities, whether that's, you know, an individual like, you know, Joe Rogan, as you mentioned, or, you know, someone like, uh, you know, NPR or WNYC, totally. where they, you know, they're not going to have any trouble, you know, getting the word out. But, you know, the smaller podcast, you know, they have something also maybe awesome to say, and maybe what they need is, you know, some, some encouragement in the early days of, you know, putting together what they're putting together as their uh, show and as their content is maturing. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, gi giving people more access to, uh, to find, those folks is a big part of what I'm trying to do. Sure. And, and uh, just, I guess, in full full disclosure, like you added the show to Podknife a few months ago. That's kind of how we connected and met. And then, you know, we, we just got kind of chatting. We had a call and I thought we should maybe talk about the podcasting space because for me, it's been super valuable. It's been fun. 
it's been interesting and I find that you know I'm hoping that you and I can maybe inspire even if it's just like one person or a handful of people to to at least consider doing their own podcast right because I I don't I think it's we're at an interesting time right now and, and you touched on it like getting started you you could use the mic even on your laptop or your computer like you or you can go buy a $80 mic or, or something like that to get started and then to actually record there's a handful of ways that you can record but you know some software to record is like $30 one time kind of fee so you know if you have a laptop and you know you buy a $70 mic and $30 recording software you're in the game for $100 right and you could be posting online. There's free sites to post. There's, you know, paid sites that are, you know, 10, 15 plus dollars a month, depending on what you kind of need. So, you know, for around a hundred bucks, you can be podcasting in, you know, a matter of days, right? I, I think the barrier to entry is so small now. And I, I think the other thing that I really want to kind of get people thinking about, and I want your thoughts on, like, for, for people that have probably listened to the show, they, they know that it airs on some FM stations. It airs kind of on, obviously, some podcasting networks and, and some digital radio stations. But I basically same the, send the same MP3 file to you know FM as I do to um, the podcasting uh, channels. So I record one file and edit one file and then post it to all the different platforms. So the term podcast is just kind of, not that it's irrelevant, it's just the, the actual file that you create to send the different mediums is no different. At least it's been my experience in kind of, you know, the two and a half years that I've been doing this. How do you kind of describe what a podcast is or, or could be for people that are maybe still don't really understand what a podcast kind of is? Sure. So I think what what defines a podcast to me is is that it's distributed by uh, by RSS. About, excuse me, by RSS. Sure. I think um, I think that doesn't uh, preclude being distributed in other formats as well. I mean, certainly that that's completely viable. And I think you could have something that that I would consider a podcast that you know can also appear as a TV show or a radio show or, sure. or what have you. I, I think the um, uh, the on-demand aspect of, uh, of podcasting is also, uh, you know, a, a defining element. I mean, that you know, in, in a way that really distinguishes itself from traditional radio or TV. Obviously, you know, you could use recording devices, uh, DVR, what have you, to record with on TV too. But the, the idea that you could be walking around essentially and and you know have your podcast content available for you, you know, what, at, at a you know the press of a button, right? I mean, wh whenever you need it, your podcast is there for you and. Um, you know that it doesn't require your eyes. I mean, sure. I, I feel like this this is a, another key piece uh, that you know makes podcasting so fantastic from my perspective. It's, you know, when we're you know we live really busy lives. Uh, a, a lot of us. I mean, I, I know I certainly don't have the headspace to to devote my eyes to uh, many forms of entertainment, whether that's you know uh, watching movies and TV and that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, I, I have room for 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 podcasts. I mean, sure. you know, my ears are free. You know, and a lot of times. You know whether whether you know you're going for a run or you know you're doing stuff around the house or you know I mean in a lot of a lot of jobs you know you're doing work that you don't need to be putting all of your brain power into I mean you know you still you can you can escape uh, you know via what you're hearing through your ears and um, you know podcasts I, I think are 
beautiful in that way. So I mean, you know, you have the ease of ease of production, the relative ease of production. I mean, and you know, the, the door that's open to so many people. Uh, you know, being able to bypass any of the traditional gatekeepers for media that have uh, often you know gotten in people's way. Uh, and you know, it's really easy, a really easy format to uh, to consume as well. Sure. The other thing I think, just to get people thinking about it, is a lot of people listen to kind of podcasts, you know, on their commute, whether they're driving or they're on the train or bus or or whatnot. And like, you can download a podcast to your your device. So you don't actually have to use data. You know, you can basically be offline, or if you're flying, you know, you can you can listen to these shows right as you're kind of maybe you know you know just chilling on the airplane right and killing some time while you're you're getting to your destination so where you know traditional kind of radio that can be a challenge sometimes right um absolutely yeah so i i think the other thing that i kind of wanted to to mention is the great thing about kind of the podcast and, and you alluded to it earlier a little bit is on a site like even Podknife, you know, you could have a show by like somebody famous and then right next to it in the same list, you could have a show by somebody that just started a couple of months ago that, you know, their show kind of got some traction, right? So it almost kind of levels the playing field for anybody can basically be just as popular or, or right up against somebody that's, you know, really well known, which I think is actually really really cool that the barrier to entry is basically kind of gone now yeah i i totally agree i mean you know to me it's a really inspiring and motivating uh piece of this to think that you know you can uh you know really really get to some of the voices that have been underrepresented traditionally in in media i mean by reducing the barrier to entry to the point that we have in podcasting, I mean, you know, there's no reason why any particular person with any particular point of view who wants to speak on any particular subject, I mean, can't, you know, put it out there, try to find an audience. I mean, you know, it's it's by no means guaranteed, but I mean, this is the same sort of, you know, risk that people take in, in putting themselves out there in, in any capacity, right? I mean, in any form of media, you know, you don't know that you're going to find people who are going to be interested in what you're going to do, but at least you can you can put it out there and, and let let the let the marketplace decide and and, uh, and and try to let people know about what you're doing. So I mean, I, I think you know, in a way that is not necessarily the case on other sites and in other apps uh, on on Podknife, I really have tried from the beginning to focus on, uh, on on you know putting the putting the spotlight on some of these smaller podcasts that are being produced by people who you know don't have a ton of experience and who you're, are not coming through you know, traditional, uh, you know, radio stations or, you know, um, more professionalized podcasting networks that don't have the kind of resources that go into, you know, some of your more highly produced radio shows, uh, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, your radio lab or anything like that, which, you know, those shows are awesome, right? I mean, then they put a tremendous amount of work into them, but you're dealing with a different thing, right? I mean, you know, like my, my favorite podcast is, uh, is one that is called Dunked On. It's a basketball podcast Okay. and it's produced, and I mean, there's there's no production at all. I mean, it's like you know, it's like two guys talking. I mean, and it, they're just they're just that good, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think you know, you you find that that kind of dynamic all over the place in the podcasting world, where you know the people who are talking are the people you want to hear from, you know. And and it's really as simple as that. They don't need to spend hours in post production. 
they can record something and they can put it out there and it's going to be good because it's what you're looking for. And, you know, you find the audience over time, you're able to develop that. And, uh, it's a beautiful thing, right? I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's the promise of podcasting, I think really. No, totally. And I, I think just to kind of even touch on, on what you just mentioned, like basically you listen to like a niche basketball podcast, right? There's tons of podcasts that are basically for the most part, not every niche has been kind of talked about, but if you just want to talk about, you know, a movie or episodes of TV shows or a specific character in something, like there might be a show about it already or and if there's not, maybe you start that show up, right? And try to reach out to people um and actually get them out there. I I think at least when I started the show and I've kind of talked to other people that have done shows is reach out to people that you kind of admire that have kind of followed maybe their career a little bit obviously some of them may be like a-list celebrity types you you probably won't get on your first few episodes but you'd be surprised how many people if you just reach out to them are, are willing to kind of help right and i think a really good example is some of my first shows like i got one of the early investors in tesla on the show um, you know, I've had some guys, uh, writers that, you know, did some huge kind of books for some well-known people. Um, you know, I've had some kind of bigger names on the show, a lot of them because I just asked and reached out to them, right? Some said no, some said, um, you know, sure, why not? Um, you know, I've had a show a while ago where they launched a magazine and their first issue had the CEO of Whole Foods and they just reached out to him and said, you know, we want to launch this magazine and we want a really good kind of first cover story. And so, you know, I think most people in North America have kind of heard of Whole Foods, right? So I think part of the thing that I, I want to kind of get across as well is it's great if you interview your family and friends, maybe when you're starting out, but you should also kind of shoot for the people that you potentially really, really want on the show. And some some of them will say yes, it might take a few months, it might take maybe a year, but some of them will actually say yes, because I think a lot of times people forget that a lot of successful people that you idolize were where you are today, right? And somebody totally. helped them along the way. And the people that you know, got helped by people as they were kind of coming up in their field, feel like they, or a lot of them feel obligated to do the same and pay it back, right? I, and I think we don't realize that a lot, and I didn't realize that until I kind of started doing it a couple of years ago, right? And and I think sure. in, in full kind of honesty and disclosure, one of the big reasons I did the show was to get over my fear of public speaking. So, yeah. you know, I, I think everybody kind of has their own motivations, good, good or bad, to why they want to do a show. But I think selfishly for me, it was to kind of get over my fear of public speaking. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, people, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons to uh, to start a, a venture, whether it's a... Uh, a show like like you have, or or a uh, or a, another type of podcast, or even Podknife in in my case is to sure. you know kind of uh, you know build uh, build some some track record, right? I mean, build some credibility, build uh, you know some confidence in in what you're doing, and and build some expertise, right? I mean that you know other you know other people might want to 
draw on and, and you know uh, you know be a part of or you know tap into that, that kind of thing over time. And I think uh, you know the way we're talking about the uh, the relative ease of uh, of getting into the game as a podcaster. I mean, never mind the ease of getting in as a listener, which I mean is a very straightforward process as well. Which I know some people have you know some. Uh, some difficulty figuring out exactly, you know, what a podcast is, and you know, uh, how to how to get into the game in that regard as well. But I, I think, you know, the, the ability to to get in, to start laying down some tape, to start, you know, establishing some credibility by just producing episodes, by you know, thinking them through, by you know, reaching out to potential guests, by booking people when you can. I mean, it, it all kind of builds on itself in in a really great way, where you know, maybe you don't get those guests that you're looking for initially but maybe once you're you know 10 episodes in and you've you know figured out figured some things out established some credibility you know shown yourself to be someone who has you know ideas worth listening to maybe then you're able to get those guests and you know you can keep going from there totally and i think the interesting thing about it is it's kind of a journey that i think you don't really know where it's going to take you right and at least for myself you know, I've I've gotten the luxury of being able to, you know, go to different conferences, record in person, where literally to record in person, I've just brought my laptop, I bought a second mic, and I bought a little kind of two track that was like, I think $150, $200, and I basically plugged the two mics into the little two track, and then it just USBs into my laptop, and then I basically have, you know, me and the guest or guests on another track and and then I just edit it down um, into an mp3 and again send it so doing it in person is not necessarily more complicated it just obviously I think it's a little bit more um, you, you need to be a little bit more confident because it, it's, it can be a little bit more intimidating if you're doing it in person but I think if you do that a few times, or maybe you prefer doing it in person, right, with with somebody um, or a, f a few people, it, you know, you just need to kind of get over that, right? And it, it just maybe takes a few episodes, or maybe you're fine doing it and feel more comfortable doing it, but you can do it over the phone or in person or both, and, and it works out just as good, and it's not that much more money to get rolling, you know, and maybe you could probably even do it with one mic, you just maybe have to pass it back and forth. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there's all sorts of different sound setups that, that work well enough for, for a, a lot of podcasts. I mean, you know, obviously you, you run the gamut from, from really professionalized setups that are, you know, where podcasts are being recorded, you know, in, uh, you know, the kind of environment that radio is recorded in totally. where everything is really controlled. And, and those podcasts sound great, but I mean, like, you know, the podcasts that, that are, you know, recorded where you're, you know, over Skype or whatever, people are in totally different parts of the world. I mean, those work too, right? Because I mean, yeah. ultimately, what you're, what you're getting it down to is, you know, some voices, right? I mean, as long as you you can clearly hear what people are saying, the point is what they're saying. And I mean, you know, you're, you're going to get close enough, I think, in terms of the sound quality. So, I mean, I, I often think that, you know, the, the, the degree of production that, you, that we get in, in a lot of uh, podcasts and, and audio content is is nice, but I mean, it, it's, it's so not necessary. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, it might be worth, uh, you know, driving that point home that you, totally. know, you really don't need to feel uh, overwhelmed by not having all the tools at your disposal that some high-end producers do. It's not necessary. I mean, it's, it's really not to produce compelling content. Sure. Uh, well, I, I think the other thing, too, is when it gets compressed down to an MP3, 
it doesn't matter if your mic's $100 or $10,000, 99% of people will not be able to tell the difference, right? Unless you're yeah. kind of an audio engineer and or have and or have a good ear for this stuff, the average person will not be able to tell the difference. It, it's just the reality of it, right? And you can maybe upgrade your gear over time and, you know, become there's a ton of really good kind of content if you just Google it online about how to kind of what gear you should use starting out, what gear you should use when you're you know, maybe been doing it for a while, you know, you could even reach out to me. I'll sure. send you a list that I forward to kind of everybody of all the stuff I use. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think just trying to um, talk more about what it takes to kind of get into this. The other thing that I've really found with kind of podcasters in general, and, and I think I, I can't remember one person that I've met that wasn't like, insanely supportive and helpful in the space like um i guess i got really lucky when i was starting out that i went to um i went to a conference in la and a girl that actually helped me um get another kind of writing gig that i i, I kind of do for a tech blog um i ended up she was i was like oh we should go for coffee you know we we had some phone calls but i never actually met her in person and she was like, I'm doing this podcasting panel tonight. You should come. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is it was just off Hollywood Boulevard. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is amazing. Like, how? Like uh -huh. this is a, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I, you know, there was four or five people on the panel. She was moderating the panel. And all these people are talking about these podcasts. Some I heard of, some I hadn't heard of. And the crazy thing about it that I took out of it was – these people that were on a panel, some of them had only been doing it three, four months, right? And they were already on a panel teaching others how to like be podcasters. And so, you know, and then you you talk with all the other people that were just kind of there and, and they were in kind of the same boat as me. They were either just starting up or they were kind of been doing it for a while. But just the community around trying to help each other out, at least in my experience, has been amazing, right? Where there you ask a question or you say like how did you do this or that or what gear or this or that like i've had nothing but people at least get back to you or say you know what like i don't know but here's somebody that might like i i find the community like very supportive of each other have you kind of found that as well yeah i totally agree i mean uh, you know but stepping into uh you know, getting deeper into uh, into into the Podnet into the uh, Podnet project and the podcast sure. community as as a result, you know, you sort of find yourself in uh, you know groups on on Facebook where sure. you know you see all this activity. I mean, just along the lines you're describing, you know, people at various levels of uh, of involvement. I mean, you know, people who are just starting out, people who who are veterans who are looking to uh, you know impart their their wisdom, and people who you know are have met up, at, you know, as a function of, you know, sort of being a part of these groups who have, you know, formed networks to, you know, sort of uh, combine their their interests in terms of, you know, getting access to advertising and stuff like that. I mean, like, sure. there's, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, coalescing of, of interests that happen in these, uh, in these groups. I mean, then, you know, it goes from, you know, the online sort of stuff like we were just mentioning, whether, you know, it's on Reddit or Facebook or where, wherever you like. Uh, to you know, stuff that's happening in person in you know, 
communities all over the place. I mean, where, you know, podcasters from specific areas are getting together. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, at a, at a massive convention kind of thing, like at, uh, you know, podcast movement, or whether it's, you know, in smaller kind of just meetups around the country where people are able to, uh, or and around the world where people are able to share tips as to, you know, how to deal with various issues that, uh, that confront people, whether it's a question of technical stuff on the recording end or the distribution end or, you know, the, the marketing and, you know, getting the message out there kind of thing. And I, I completely agree. I mean, it's a really, really supportive community. And I think, you know, to the extent people are, con- uh, to the extent prospective podcasters are concerned about meeting resistance from people who are already in the game, it's not really like that. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's incredibly supportive. Everyone has an understanding that, like, not everyone can listen to everyone's podcast. Sure. Just, there's just too much. So, I mean, you know, there's not an expectation that when you're coming in, you've listened to, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, most popular podcasts and can speak about them fluently and all that kind of stuff, which I think is also kind of a helpful thing to keep in mind. Yep. You know, I mean, everyone's only listened to a tiny fraction of, uh, of the podcasts that are out there. And I think everyone is just supportive of, you know, the, the process, the format, and, you know, people getting what they want to out there. Sure. So I, I want to go back to Podknife a, a little bit. How did you sure. kind of get the first version kind of built? Did you build it yourself? Did you get, you know, some freelancers? Did you hire a team? How did you actually get pod, Podknife.com kind of built? So I did a lot of the a lot of the database work that sort of serves as the backbone of it on my own. Okay. Uh, o- over time, I mean, this is kind of feeds into stuff I've been doing my whole life, sort of uh, putting together databases and spreadsheets and compiling compiling information from from various places. So I, I was working with with that as a backbone, but I, I'm not a uh, I'm, I'm not a coder at the level that I would trust myself to build a build a commercial product. Okay. Um, so I I, uh, I I worked with uh, with a technologist. Uh, friend of mine to sort of sketch out, um, I mean, sketch out the app in, in sort of broad strokes, I mean, how, how it would all fit together, and uh, then got connected with um, with some contractors uh, in uh, in Shanghai who have been uh, fantastic, and I've been working with them nice. on the execution of everything that we put together uh, over that time. So it's something that's, you know, developed over the course of uh, now um, a better part of, uh, of two years, I mean, year and a wow. half. That's great. And, uh, you know, we got... Yeah, I mean, we've got got a, got a lot more to uh, got a lot more to roll out, and um, but it's been a really productive relationship thus far. Sure. So you you self funded then? I'm, I'm assuming yeah, you didn't yeah, raise any it, money. It, okay. That's right. Totally self funded, and I mean that's uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, both uh, for simplicity's sake. I mean, I'm fortunate to have uh, have, have the means to uh, to pull together the the cash to get that sure. get that process going, but but also to maintain a level of. Uh, of independence. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I, I feel good about bringing to uh, the podcasting space is that, you know, I'm not really linked in with any any entities within the podcasting world that I need to be favoring over any others. So, I mean, you know, there's no uh, push to, uh, you know, promote, you know, Gimlet shows or something like that. I mean, you know, I, I'm really trying to be as agnostic as possible and, and try to, you know, remove my personal preferences from uh, the way things are displayed. Uh, on the site to the degree possible. I mean, and really make it sort of that even playing field that we were talking about where, you know, your, your, your new players in the game are going to be, you know, appearing right alongside uh, established podcasts. Sure. No, I, I think that's great. And even I just have the site up now, just like you have, you know, like a, a Android developer podcast next to like the Bloomberg, a Bloomberg podcast next to like a, a board sure. game podcast, you know, against... You know, a politics podcast, like 
you know, you have a bunch of different stuff. There's a handful of others, but people get the idea. Like you, to your point, like you clearly displaying that on the homepage of just a bunch of different um, podcasts that are, you know, related or unrelated from each other, uh, front and center. The other thing I do want to mention though is, do you have plans to kind of monetize Podknife at some point? Yeah, so I mean I, that's definitely in, in the in the cards. I mean uh, I'm not sure exactly what path that's going to take. Uh, I mean I, the the thought is to uh, run ads on the site at some point. Um, sure. You know, as, as it continues to develop and uh, and perhaps to offer uh, some sort of premium version of uh, of the product as well to users. I mean uh, one of the things that uh, that we're working on right now is uh, a more developed uh, side to the site for uh, for publishers so they can you know get more information about. Uh, you know the views that they've been uh, seeing on their pages, uh, the sort of activity that's been happening in the uh, you know related to their podcasts and uh, other podcasts that are uh, that have you know tags that are similar to ones that they uh, that they own. So uh, you know sort of similar sort of uh, dashboard available to uh, to users um, as, as time goes on. But I mean those, those are the ways we're looking to monetize as opposed to uh, sort of um, linking in with, with particular podcast networks or that sort of thing. Sure. No, that that's actually quite interesting. I This is kind of off topic, but I'm kind of curious about it. How did sure. you come up with the name Podknife? Oh, yeah, okay. So uh, so it, it's a little bit of, uh, of a play on uh, on Pitchfork, you know, okay. the, uh, the, the, the music uh, website. I mean, I'm a long-time reader of, uh, sure. of theirs. I like the idea of having that, uh, that sort of uh, eating implement at the, uh, at, at the back end. But also, um, you know, I feel like I had to get the word, uh, you know, the, the pod in there for, for obvious reasons. Sure. But also then it, it, it's kind of a, I envision it as a tool uh, akin to a uh, Swiss Army knife type of thing. I mean, Interesting. one okay. of the things that, um, that I'm, I'm really proud of on the, on the site of it, as it currently exists is, uh, is in the search results where you can really cut up the database. I mean, I, you mentioned that we have a lot of uh, varied podcasts like right out on the, on the homepage, and, and that's very much uh, by design, as, as you noted. But once you get into the search results, you can really cut up the database sure. um, by a, a lot of different uh, you know, um, uh, characteristics. So whether that's you know, by... Uh, a publication frequency, you know, does this podcast come out, you know, weekly, biweekly, monthly, you know, uh, more periodic than that? Um, does it, uh, you know, have average average uh, episode durations that are, you know, within a certain uh, band? You know, uh, where is it produced? Those kind of things. So you can really slice up the uh, the database to get to something that's much more specific and maybe, you know, uh, what you're looking for exactly. Sure. And then you also have kind of, uh, you know, if I like this podcast, you also have like you also might like um, podcasts as well listed on on everybody's or those podcast pages, which I think is is actually really useful for for people, right? I like I use that on kind of music services all the time. It's like if you like this artist, you're gonna like this. It's the same kind of concept. I I, I find tons of new artists and podcasts that way. Yeah, I mean I, I, I totally agree. I mean I think that's a helpful way to inspire some additional uh, browsing around. And I mean, the idea is, you know, as more information flows into the site, as, as more uh, as more podcasts are added, and as we're, you know, better defining what these podcasts are, you know, by way of tags and um, you know, the customized tags that we're adding, uh, you know, the quality of all that stuff is just going to continue to improve. Sure. The other thing that I was thinking of mentioning to you when I first thought of like Podknife and when we first kind of connected, 
my original thought, and you can tell me if it's crazy or not, was, you know, like back in the day, you had to like slice the tape and then like tape it together. That was kind of my original thought of like where you came up with the pod knife thing. So it's interesting to know kind of where you got it from, but that's kind of what I thought sure. of originally, which also works. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, I mean, I hadn't thought about that one, but maybe maybe I'll work that into the uh, into the lore of, uh, of pod knife sometime in the future. Yeah, no, that's cool. I just thought I would mention it. Um, so I'm kind of curious to know, you know, you've built this kind of network and where do you kind of think the podcasting space is going to go? Because I, I I don't really necessarily know, but I'm kind of curious to know if you have any thoughts on that. I think we're going to see more players get into the game. I mean, I feel like, you know, as, as much as we've seen podcasting grow in, you know, just the last year, and I mean, in the few years prior to that, I mean, I feel like there's just so much more opportunity for growth. I mean, there there are people who still like, you know, don't know how to get at a podcast. I mean, sure. even people who are walking around with, with, you know, iPhones and have been for years, you know, they just don't know what's out there and, you know, are intimidated by the prospect of, uh, of you know, accessing something that they haven't before. And I think, you know, as, you know, it's really helpful to have, you know, prominent people, uh, you know, moving into the podcasting world that we've seen, you know, over and over again, right? I mean, it feels like people, like famous people are coming out with podcasts I mean, there's announcements along those lines, it seems like every single day. Sure. And I think, you know, to the extent that, that that is a pathway in for people who maybe, you know, don't know as much about podcasts to, to get in the game, that's, uh, that, that could be a really fruitful way to uh, continue to, you know, sort of broaden the field of uh, people we're trying to reach. And uh, I think, you know, that, that's going to mean more people getting involved in, uh, in, in production as well. I mean, it's going to inspire more people to produce their own podcasts. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, networks uh, continue to develop. Because, I mean, I think, you know, you're continuing to see um, podcasts that are independent, you know, sort of uh, recognize that they have, uh, you know, similar interests to other independent podcasts and, you know, kind of uh, coalesce in, in these uh, networks that are then able to, uh, you know, do a little bit broader promotion you know, across a cross show promotion, that, that that kind of thing. I mean, from one, one to another, advertising on one another's shows, or you know, running uh, promos on one another's shows. And I, I think you know, we're going to see a lot more uh, movement into into that sort of uh, connected uh, connected world, where uh, you know there are more players getting involved, and um, and just you know, more more people, more people to reach, and. Uh, you know, it, it it seems like it seems like there's a, there's a lot more growth in, in front of us. I mean, it feels like we're like we're still in the early stages of uh, seeing this all develop. I mean, the fact that that a, that a tool like Podknife has felt as necessary as uh, as it has to me is an indication that you know in, in in 2018 there's still a lot of growth to explore. I mean, there's a lot more information to dig out about you know what these podcasts actually are, and um, you know I think I think we're going to continue to see movement in that direction. No, that's interesting. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think we're kind of at the early stages. It, it kind of has become, you know, I hate the word trendy, but I, I can't really think of a, a better kind of description that I think the general public will understand. But podcasting has been around for what, 10, 15, maybe even more than that? Is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really has. So, and I think the simplest way to put it, if you if you still don't really understand what a podcast is, it's basically just like an on-demand episode. 
I think that's the simplest way to put totally. it. Um, you know, that you can either live stream that episode or you can download it to listen to it right now or or later. Um, and, you know, you can kind of go back in, in history and listen to past episodes. You can kind of cherry pick episodes if if you're like, oh, that episode in this podcast doesn't sound like something I'm interested in. You can listen to, you know, one that was recorded a year ago or or three weeks ago. You can kind of you don't have to listen to every episode. You can choose, pick and choose what you want. Some shows um, you probably want to listen to every episode because they continue on just like a TV show, um, but sure. some some don't, right? And I think just kind of finding what's interesting to you um, is really great. I think it's um, you know a much needed. Um, I, I've gotten asked about this before, where you know people. I've heard from podcasters like, oh, do you think kind of traditional radio is going to die? Personally, I don't. Um, selfishly, I guess, I look at it this way. Um, I I create content. Um, so why wouldn't I want my content on today's current mediums? If a medium starts up tomorrow or goes away tomorrow, I, I will either add my content or take my content away from that. So... I think, you know, just being on the most platforms that you see relevant to your show, um, I, I think people need to kind of consider that as well. I think also different ages of people and different types of people listen to shows on different mediums. You know, some people will sit on their, their desktop and, and run iTunes or, or you know, go to podknife.com and and just listen in the browser. Some some will be on their Android phone. Some will be on their iPhone. Some will, some will download it. Some will just say like, I want to listen to it on FM radio, right? And you tell me what sure. to listen to. So I think, you know, just putting your content on all the different platforms that that you think is relevant to your potential audience or the audience that you want to get in front of, um, I, I think has been how I've been successful at it anyway. Um, do you have kind of anything to add to that? I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, uh, your, your approach, I mean, like, why wouldn't you want to be everywhere where people could, you know, be interested in uh, consuming your content? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, pod, podcasts sort of function as, uh, as the, the backbone of that. I mean, I, I, I feel like it has maybe longer legs than, uh, and radio, just in the sense that it's it's a much more permanent kind of thing than, than totally. radio. I mean, t- has tended to be. Uh, so you know, I mean, you could always run you know podcast content on on the radio. I mean, if the circumstances called for it. I mean, I I, I mean, I, I love the radio. I mean, I think it's I think it's awesome. I mean, uh, I certainly don't want it to go anywhere. But uh, I think you know, you, there's just so much so much less time to fill on, on a radio station. Totally. I mean, I mean, the time is limited, right? I mean, you yeah. only have, you know, a certain amount of time to, to work with and in a podcast format, you know, the open-endedness of it, you know, the fact that you, you could have a two hour long conversation with me here and, you know, like there's nothing limiting that aside from people's willingness to listen. Right. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, your own constraints on terms of what, you know, makes up a good podcast. But I mean, you know, it, it is truly open-ended in the sense that, you know, that, that no one's going to cut you off. And yep. I mean, I, I think, you know, being able to take that kind of content and, you know, cut it down for the purposes of, of radio play or, or, you know, something like that. I mean, it, it really just 
provides you with uh, some versatility to, to, to work off of that, that, you know, should be durable. I mean, in, in my mind, I mean, I don't really see why the, the idea of there being, you know, sort of on demand audio in the way that podcasts are would, would go away anytime soon. Totally. I, I also think too, that, you know, there's people that do 15 minute podcasts or 10 minute podcasts or 20 minute or 45, right? Like, where if you need to fill radio airtime, like you need to fill it. And the problem is, is if you don't listen to that show at 8 a.m. on Tuesday mornings, you basically have to listen to it as a podcast if you miss that episode, right? Like, um, or like on demand, which is basically a nice podcast. To me, at least podcast is basically a, a nice way of saying on demand content, right? Like I, I get people would probably shoot me for that, but I think for the general public, that's basically a simplified version of, of what it is. It's on-demand content. Fair to say? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I, I think it's on-demand content that maybe more fully reflects what the, what the, what the producer is, is looking to put out there than, you know, and it isn't confined in the same way that you know, you're confined on TV. I mean, I, just to, to get back to, to the basketball for, for a sure. moment, I mean, sure. one of the things that I, I find watching, watching television, you know, the analysis on, on television, they're so constrained by, you know, having to fit what they have to say within commercial breaks and, and, and make it, uh, you know, applicable to, you know, the wide audience that's watching on television. Whereas, you know, I mean, if you're doing the same kind of thing in podcast form, you know, you're analyzing the same contest. I mean, you could do it in, in whatever depth is required for, you know, your audience. I mean, you, you figure out what your audience is looking for and you give them the, the amount of depth that they require and however long that takes, that's how long it takes, right? I mean, totally. you know, you can really, you know, tune it much more closely to, you know, what the people who are listening actually want. No, I, I 100% agree. Um, you know, Matt, we're, we're running out of time. So let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and Podknife. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, definitely encourage, uh, Anyone listening to uh, check out podknife.com. That's that's where you can find uh, the website, or you can check us out on uh, on Facebook, and we're probably most active on uh, on Twitter at podknife. And uh, if you have anything to uh, send to me specifically, please feel free to hit me up at uh, matt at podknife.com. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you taking time out of your your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thanks so much, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.